What is going on, Wellness Gang? Welcome back to Embodied Wellness Radio, a podcast framed around making women healthy again. And today's podcast is all about estrogen. We are going to have a follow-up podcast, which will get a little bit more into the specifics of how to support your estrogen levels. So this podcast is specifically going to go into what estrogen is, how it's metabolized, and a couple other key things to know about estrogen before we talk about how to support it in your body. So the first thing to know about estrogen is that she's actually not a solo act. Yep, there is no single hormone called estrogen. So whenever you hear someone talking about estrogen, we're actually referring to a group of hormones. She's got a whole squad with her. So there are four different main types of estrogen. The first three are the ones that we're going to be talking about today. And then the fourth is mostly used or produced in pregnancy. So of the three that we'll discuss today, E1 is estrone. E2 is estradiol, and E3 is estriol. So these three as a group are typically referred to as estrogen, but when we really start to look at the impact estrogen can have on your body and how it can potentially become harmful, we really do also need to be looking at each of the different puzzle pieces that make up estrogen as a group. So for a little bit of background, estrogen and progesterone are the main sex hormones that we produce as females. So you can thank estrogen for her awesome role in giving you your sexual characteristics. So if you've got a nice... A nice waistline with some juicy hips, estrogen's to thank for that. If you've got a good set of boobs on you, thanks estrogen for that as well. And so estrogen is really important for our body, especially as a female. And it does get a little bit of a bad rap when you talk about hormones because many women deal with excess estrogen, but we do actually need her in a good amount in our body doing the right thing at the right time. So aside from just giving you sexual characteristics, estrogen also has a lot of other positive impacts on your body that are far past reproductive health alone. So some of the other roles that estrogen plays in the body are increasing insulin sensitivity, supporting bone health, giving your skin elasticity and that vibrant glow, supporting your brain, building and maintaining lean muscle, preventing UTIs, and keeping your vagina lubricated, or as Cardi B would say, keeping that WAP in check. And this is just to name a few of the many roles that estrogen plays in your body. So again, really, really important hormone. We need her, but we also need her to be doing the right thing in the right time, in the right amount. And you'll hear me say that all of the time because Really, when we're talking about hormones or this idea of hormone balance, we need everybody to be doing their job because when one hormone is off, it has what we call a cascade or domino effect. So this is where if estrogen is off, it's not only estrogen that's impacted. As mentioned, it improves insulin sensitivity. So now your blood sugar is going to be off. Insulin will be off. If your blood sugar is off, your cortisol is going to be off, your stress hormone. And so really, we need everybody to be not too much not too little, just the right amount. So now we know that estrogen plays a lot of positive roles in our body. So we're probably wondering why people are talking so much smack about her. I mean, what does she ever do to you? She gave you some nice boobs. She kept your vagina lubricated. What more could you want, right? Well, the issue again comes from the amount. And again, this idea of balance. So She's that one friend that's like good in a little amount, but too much of her and they become a little bit of obnoxious and they're definitely going to make it known that they're there for you. So in the right amount, it's fun, it's chill, it's all good, but too much becomes a problem. 
So if you are experiencing estrogen dominance, as it's colloquially known as, which really just means too much estrogen in relation to progesterone, you might have symptoms such as water retention, libido decreases, your PMS increases, blood sugar is dysregulated, your histamine reaction or like seasonal allergies can increase, and also just feeling like you're riding on a mood roller coaster, which is not fun. We also don't want to have too little estrogen, and this is much less common to see, but it is still prevalent, and too little estrogen can lead to issues such as vaginal dryness, which is a big reason why that is such a common symptom to have post-menopause. It can also lead to weight gain. It can increase your risk of osteoporosis because estrogen is really important for healthy bone formation and density and also lead to mood imbalances. So again, these are why these are all really common symptoms that happen after menopause because your body stops producing as much estrogen. So again, the moral of the story is that we need this balance word, right? Not too much, not too little, just the right amount. So now that we know a little bit about what estrogen does in the body, let's talk about who she even is. So before we go through menopause as a female, your estrogen mainly comes from the ovaries. And so to a lesser extent, it also comes from our fat cells, our adrenal glands, and from the aromatization, aka the conversion of testosterone, which after menopause becomes the main way that your body produces menopause. So now let's talk a little bit about all of the different kinds that we briefly touched on at the beginning. So again, the three most common types of estrogen that we have are estrone, estradiol, and estriol. So of these, E2, or estradiol, is the leader of the pack as she is the strongest form in the body. But let's backtrack and take it from the top. We'll talk about E1, aka estrone. So she mainly comes from the conversion of E2, estradiol, and that happens in the liver. But she can also come from progesterone, DHEA in fat cells, and some other organs. So this little rock star is really important post-menopause and for those without ovaries because she can not only come from estradiol and the conversion, but she can also be converted back to estradiol. So even if we aren't producing the stronger form E2 and your body is able to produce E1 through other ways, then your body will be able to convert that into E2, which becomes really, really important after menopause. Sometimes E1 can get on some bad behavior though, and she can convert to something which is called 4-hydroxyestrone, which is really just a fancy name for a type of estrogen metabolite that has a role in promoting breast cancer. So again, we need to come back to this balance word. A little bit of E1, really awesome. Too much E1, potentially harmful. And the main thing to take away here is that E1 and E2 can be interchangeable. So they can convert to one and then back to the other, which again becomes most important after menopause. Now let's talk about our ringleader, E2, aka estradiol. So she is a powerful force to be reckoned with because she has effect on all estrogen receptors in your body and to the ones that she does bind, she has the strongest effect. So usually if you were just to get lab work done or run a typical lab panel and you would have estrogen, it's typically referring to E2. So even on lab work, they'll typically measure your levels of E2. Some specific lab work, such as the Dutch test, which we run, will show you the breakdown of different forms of estrogen and metabolites, but your general blood work is typically measuring this form of estrogen. 
So she mainly comes from the ovaries and the production there, but she also comes from androstenedione, which is her precursor and is produced by the adrenal glands. So again, just to touch on how important it is to have all of your systems functioning optimally, if your adrenals are off or you have cortisol dysregulation, this can directly impact your estrogen as well. So you can thank our girl E2, the ringleader, for a lot of the benefits that we talked about earlier, such as building up the lining of the uterus, building up your breast tissue, contributing to skin, bone, liver, and cardiovascular health. But she's also the one who can wreak some serious havoc if she overstays her welcome. So having too much E2 can cause issues such as endometriosis, fibroids, and estrogen-related cancers. So this is one form of estrogen that we really want to be mindful of, keeping her in check and keeping her in the right balance. So again, right amount, love to see it, too much, no bueno. So last but not least, let's talk about E3. So she's like that one friend that wants to come on a run with you, but she ends up complaining about the weather and dragging you down, and she just can't really keep up. She's a weaker form of estrogen who only affects some receptors, and even the ones that she does affect, she doesn't do a very good job at it. So her main time to shine, or the main positive benefit that she has on our body, is with bone health and pregnancy. So during pregnancy, E3 can actually help to protect the fetus from the stronger form E2 if there's too much and also maintain a healthy uterine lining for the baby. So she does have her time to shine, but for most of us who aren't pregnant, premenopausal, she doesn't really do a lot for us. So again, we have three different forms of estrogen, E1, E2, and E3. All of these play a different role in our body and are very important to have, but we do want all of them to be in a good balance, doing the right thing at the right time. So now that we've gotten to know a little bit more about estrogen or the different forms of estrogen, let's talk about estrogen metabolism. Because one way that you could experience estrogen issues is the actual production. So maybe your body is producing too much estrogen, maybe your body is not producing enough estrogen, maybe your body is not producing enough of the strong form of estrogen or too much of the strong form of estrogen. But even with a healthy production or healthy levels of production, we still can run into issues if your body isn't metabolizing estrogen. So metabolism really just means your body's ability to take excess estrogen and to get it the heck out of your body. So if you are making a good amount of estrogen, but your body isn't able to clear it, we're still going to see issues because your body is producing and producing and producing, and it just ends up building up in the body. If your body is clearing too much estrogen, we can also see issues. So again, production of estrogen is one thing, but metabolism is also really important. And estrogen metabolism happens in three different steps, and we're going to touch on all of them. So the first step has three different pathways that your estrogen can go down. And this is really, really important when we're looking at breast cancer specifically, as well as just overall estrogen-related issues. Phase two happens and it basically just takes your estrogen and turns it water soluble. So allows it to be excreted from the body and phase three of estrogen detox gets it the heck out of your body. So let's talk about how this whole metabolism thing shakes down. So first, I want to preface that when we use the term detox, we're not referring to one of those social media scam, make you shit yourself type of skinny tea juice cleanse deals. 
What we are referring to is the biological term of removing unnecessary substances from the body through natural systems such as your liver, digestion, and lungs. That's it. No diarrhea teas involved. So Queenie, again, goes through a three-step process on her way out of the body. And the whole idea of the process is to make her fat-soluble, so being stored in your fat cells, to being water-soluble, which allows her to be excreted from your body and move her way out. So this whole thing happens through a fancy-schmancy process called conjugation, which takes things from being hydrophobic to hydrophilic. And hydrophobic basically just means being scared of water, aka fat-soluble. And hydrophilic basically means not being scared of water, so being water-soluble. So this is like that one friend that takes you at the bar when you're like, oh, I don't really want to drink, I don't really want to have a tequila shot, and then next thing you know, you're dancing on the table, throwing them back. Same thing. Go from being fat-soluble or scared of water, scared of liquid, to being water-soluble, so it can make its way out of your body. Estrogen isn't drinking tequila in your body, though, so let's just keep that in mind. (laughs) So the goal is to turn her from being stored in your body to being able to make her way out of your body. So the first two stages of estrogen detox happen in your liver. So your liver really is the true MVP of hormone health. And if you're new to the world of liver detoxification, which many of you might be, It shakes down in three different phases as well. So again, the end result is the products that are ready to be kicked out of and removed from your body. So let's talk about phase one. Phase one involves a little something called bioactivation, and this is performed by hepatocytes, which is just a fancy name for liver cells. So cells in your liver are doing this thing, doing the damn thing called bioactivation. So during this stage, we have something called a cytochrome P450 enzymes. And these are little enzymes. If you don't know, enzymes are basically like little helpers in your body. And so they take fat-soluble material, such as estrogen, and turn them into metabolites. So as estrogen is being turned into metabolites, there are three different pathways that it can go down. And it's really important to understand and support your body to be pushing estrogen down the right pathways. So some of these pathways are cancer protective and some of these pathways are cancer promoting. And so now you're probably like, well, how the heck would I know what's going on? So there are tests such as the Dutch test, which we offer, which will actually show what percentage of your estrogen is being pushed down what pathway. And for somebody like me who has a history of breast cancer in my family, my mom had breast cancer and she's a survivor, go mom if you're listening to this, I love you. It's really important to know these things, right? Because again, we can't just look at total estrogen or symptoms and then make assumptions, we also need to be able to understand how our body is using those hormones or what the process is. And luckily we've come to a day and age where this is able to be tested, which can be really important if you do have any symptoms of excess estrogen. I highly recommend taking a deep dive into understanding how your body is metabolizing and using that estrogen. So let's talk a little bit about the different pathways. So there are essentially three different pathways which can create three different metabolites for estrogen. So this is the 2-OH pathway, the 4-OH pathway, and the 16-OH pathway. And the OH just stands for alpha-hydroxyestrone, so for obvious reasons, we're just going to refer to it as OH for short. So what does that mean? Basically, the 2-OH pathway is the favorable pathway. So we want most of our estrogen to be making our way downtown, walking fast, faces fast. Is that even the lyrics? Making my way downtown. 
I am a queen of butchering lyrics. Anyways, to come back, we want our estrogen to be moving through the 2OH pathway. So ideally about 60 to 80% of our estrogen is making her way down that pathway because that is a cancer protective pathway and it is potentially less harmful. The 4OH and the 16OH pathways, they're a little bit less awesome. We do need them and some of our estrogen does go down that pathway. However, they can be cancer promoting and they have been linked to an increased risk of breast cancer, cervical cancer, oxidative damage, and inflammation. The good news here is that we actually can support and guide our little friend estrogen down the 2OH pathways. And this can be done by supporting liver health through nutrition, supplementation, lifestyle. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I hope you are enjoying this incredible podcast today on estrogen. I hope you've got a pen and paper out and are taking notes, or you're going to take a step back and actually take a second listen through because this is a golden nugget filled podcast. And if you are loving this podcast, we would love for you to give it a five star rating over on Apple. Or if you're over on Spotify, there's this new feature where you're now able to give it a five star rating as well. So if you're loving this podcast and want to support it further, we would love it if you could support us with a five star rating. We'll see you again on our next podcast next Sunday when we discuss estrogen a little bit further with our next guest. So now that we know that phase one of estrogen detoxification has three different potential pathways that our girl estrogen can go down, let's talk about phase two. So phase two takes these metabolites and basically neutralizes them. So imagine phase two being like your one friend that tells you you need to calm down right before you're about to go off and do something dumb. So this is the phase where estrogen metabolites are not only made less harmful, but they're also made water soluble so that they can go into phase three to be excreted from your body. And in order to turn estrogen from fat soluble to the full water soluble form, an important process of that is called methylation. And methylation essentially just means adding a methyl group to something. You don't really need to know that. But what is important is to know that the COMT gene allows for this to happen. So any issues, whether that's genetic, um, physiology, or nutrition related that impact the COMT gene can cause issues with your estrogen detox. So we really need that gene to be functioning well in order for phase two to be successful. Another factor that's really, really important for supporting phase two of estrogen detox is your gut health. So we really need a healthy microbiome in order to properly metabolize estrogen. So issues such as SIBO, poor gut motility, constipation, IBS, and other digestive issues can be a major buzzkill for estrogen trying to make her way out of your body. So there's a certain type of gut bacteria called beta-glucuronidase that can deconjugate your estrogen. So that basically means unbind them from turning fat-soluble to water-soluble and send those suckers back into circulation in a more toxic form. So while your body was working really hard to turn those metabolites from fat to water soluble, those buggers in your stomach are working to send their ass right back where they came from. I know, how rude, right? So having a healthy gut microbiome and making sure that we have a good balance of good bacteria to potentially harmful bacteria is a major, major key in healthy hormones, especially estrogen detoxification. So again, we need an antioxidant-rich diet. We really need to support our liver health and also make sure that our gut is functioning optimally to support all of these processes that we're talking about today. So let's say we have some estrogen friends that do make it out of phase two and now they're coming fresh into phase three. 
This is where they are going to get excreted out of your body through bile, feces, or urine, aka pooing and peeing. Now, in order for this to be happening, you got to be pooping, fam. You've probably heard me say this if you follow me on social media, but having a daily poo, and I'm not talking about one of those like half-ass, no pun intended poos, like a solid quality poo every single damn day in order to get estrogen out of your body. Constipation is a major contributor to excess estrogen, and it can cause estrogens that are in the large intestine. So you have the estrogen that's sitting in your bowels waiting to leave. It can actually get reabsorbed through the walls of your intestine, and it goes back into circulation in your bloodstream in a much more toxic or potentially toxic form. So this can contribute to symptoms of excess estrogen. Typically, we will see clients in practice that have um, digestive issues or constipation and also have issues with estrogen, painful periods, and all that other good stuff. All right, so now that we know that estrogen goes through three different phases to make its way out of your body, and we know that liver, gut health, and daily poops are important, what else? The last thing to know about estrogen metabolism is that it can be influenced by other hormones. So we talked about this a little at the beginning of the podcast, and if you follow me on the gram, you've probably heard me say quite a few times that nothing in the body happens in isolation, right? And oftentimes when you have uh, medical practitioners, specifically conventional medicine, and you go to them with an issue, they only look at the issue. And when we're only treating symptoms, we are not healing. We're not bringing our body back to balance. We need to really understand the whole picture. And clients will often come or people in my DMs and be like, I'm having issues with this. What pill can I take? And it's like, nothing. We need to address the whole picture, right? And this is why holistic healing is so important. So what is holistic? Holistic means that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And we can't just treat the paper or the issue, we need to treat the person, right? And where a lot of people get caught on their healing journey is they try to treat one specific thing, but they forget that their body isn't just that thing. Their body is this beautiful, interconnected, dynamic being. And so we really need to look at the whole puzzle rather than just one puzzle piece if we wanna bring our body back to balance. So when one hormone system body part, organ, you name it, is affected, it has a domino or cascade effect, as we mentioned, on other parts of the body, aka when the shit winds blow, they don't discriminate. So clients will often come to us and they have this laundry list of symptoms, like, you know, I'm experiencing constipation, painful periods, brain fog, acne, low energy, low sex drive, and to them, it's all of these different issues, but from a perspective of a functional practitioner or a holistic practitioner, I'm able to see that really it's just a couple things at the root that are causing these other issues and that when we really focus on understanding all of the systems that might be affected and start to heal those, everything else starts to improve as well. So one issue might have many different symptoms that manifest. So let's just take cortisol, for example. And if you don't know, cortisol is your stress hormone. And if you haven't checked out our podcast on supporting stress, you should definitely do that. It is an integral part of healing any sort of symptom, dysfunction, dysregulation that you're experiencing. So cortisol is well known as the fat hormone, and it's also known for causing fat cells to become larger and more resistant to fat loss. So fat cells can also produce estrogen. So therefore, when we have higher cortisol levels, we typically store more fat, which then in turn can increase estrogen levels. 
So as you can see, like the issue with your cortisol then impacts your body fat, which then impacts your estrogen levels. And then you're going to start to see symptoms like we mentioned, weight gain, um, painful periods, moodiness, potentially fibroids, endometriosis, all of these other things. And it might not actually just likely, it's not just estrogen that's the issue. It's all the other things that are happening downstream and upstream as well. So what this means for you is that when you have one issue such as estrogen dominance or even low estrogen or PMS, we really need to look at your body as a whole rather than just one puzzle piece in order to fully bring your body back to balance like we help our clients do. And this is also a really important point to make is that oftentimes maybe you've seen a practitioner or you read symptoms and you think, oh, I have estrogen dominance, but we actually need to think about why. Why are you experiencing those symptoms? Because estrogen dominance doesn't just mean your body has too much. We need to look at why the heck your body has too much. And if it's actually estrogen, that's the issue or maybe something else as we noted. So too much estrogen, or I like to call it unopposed estrogen, which means that we have too much estrogen and we don't have the other necessary pieces that are going to counterbalance that for balance. So the first way this can happen is that your body straight up just has too much. So this can happen to issues that are either inside yourself, so your physiology, or what you're exposing yourself to in your environment, or a combination of both. So within your body, issues with your thyroid, insulin, liver, gut health, body weight, and stress can all be drivers of high estrogen in the body. So again, we need to look at the whole picture and address why it's happening in all of the other puzzle pieces as well. When we start to look at factors in your environment that might cause your body to have too much estrogen, the main thing that we look at with our clients are nutrient deficiencies, too much alcohol, processed sugar, high histamines, as well as exposure to endocrine disrupting chemicals. So these are things like heavy metals, pesticides, herbicides, and toxins that are typically found in your cleaning, beauty supplies, as well as your food. It's honestly very hard to avoid them altogether. So just coming back to making small swaps of trying to choose like potentially a cleaner mascara next time that you need to replace yours or instead of buying herbal essences, shampoo, buying one like Sukin, which we love. So just making these small switches to your exposure to these chemicals can have a huge impact on your hormones. So again, coming back to this idea, and I know that I'm like continuing to repeat this, but I really want to nail in that we can't just look at one piece of the puzzle. We need to look at your whole body as this beautiful dynamic being and also your relationship with your body to your environment because what happens on the outside can also affect us internally as well. So the first way again to have too much estrogen can be that your body just straight up has too much. The second way could also be that you have low progesterone, which is driving your estrogen dominant symptoms. So we need to have estrogen and progesterone in a good balance. And progesterone, one of her main roles is to protect you from the highs and lows of estrogen. So as we move through our menstrual cycle, your estrogen levels will rise and fall. And progesterone comes in saves the day with her cape and helps to protect us from all of the um, highs and lows of estrogen that can cause mood, weight fluctuations, all of that other good stuff that we chatted about. So when we have low progesterone, this can cause our estrogen symptoms to be exacerbated because we don't have her to protect us from the highs and lows. And so if you imagine this on a graph, if you have estrogen that's 
norm in a normal range, quote unquote normal, and then you have low progesterone, you can see that there's a lot of gap in between that space where you would want the balance to be. But again, we need to be able to bring up progesterone levels so that they're in a good balance and they're fluctuating in harmony with one another, or we're still going to see those symptoms. And then the third most common way that women have issues with estrogen is your body not being able to properly metabolize it. So that was that whole process that we went through. If you have liver or gut related issues and your body isn't clearing it in the right way or in the right amount, then you can still have issues of excess estrogen. So we chatted about this a little bit at the beginning of the podcast, but I'm going to rekindle that fire here because it does lead into our next podcast, which is a really great follow-up with a very special guest all on supporting estrogen detoxification. So now you're probably wondering if you were to have high estrogen, what are kind of the main symptoms that you would have or the main way that that would look in your body? So some of the most common symptoms of high estrogen are painful heavy periods, bad PMS or PMDD, breast tenderness, mood swings, migraines, abnormal weight gain, issues with the losing weight, bloating or water retention, fibroids, endometriosis, and acne. So if you are experiencing one or more of those symptoms, it would be really helpful or really useful for you to start to take a deep dive into why you're having issues with your estrogen and start to learn how to support that balance in order to bring your body back into a healthy balance. And I know that I've said this so many times on my social media, but having painful periods or PMS is not normal. It's common and it has become quote unquote normalized, but your body wants to be imbalanced. You weren't designed to have all of these symptoms popping up every single month, right? You were designed to feel amazing all month long. And when we start to support our body back to this balance and we really start to understand this integrated view of health where we're supporting our systems and we're not just trying to pinpoint one issue and band-aid that solution, we really have this beautiful and empowering connection to our body and our cycle. So again, the issue is never just high estrogen itself. And so just treating that as a symptom or a condition won't really get you very far. Once you support, start to support your body as a whole, everything else falls into place. And these things that we talk about, they can seem pretty complex. Hormones are pretty tricky. But again, even taking these small steps can have such a profound effect on your healing and your hormones and your overall health. So in light of the information we talked about today, a couple good places to start to support your estrogen levels are reducing stress, eating a mineral and nutrient rich diet, cutting back on alcohol, prioritizing your gut and liver health, and having daily poops as well as using supplements wisely. And lucky for you, as I alluded to earlier, our next episode will be chatting more about estrogen and a very special guest is going to join us. And we're going to get a little bit more into the how of supporting healthy estrogen levels. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you found this podcast informative. Don't forget to tune into our next episode to learn more about this subject. See you soon, wellness gang. podcast. This podcast provides general information and discussions about health and related subjects. The information and other content provided in this podcast or any linked materials are not intended and should not be construed as medical advice, nor is the information a substitute for professional medical expertise or treatment. 
you or any other person has medical concern, you should consult with your healthcare provider and seek other professional medical treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you may have heard on this podcast or any linked materials. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call your doctor or emergency services immediately. The opinions and views expressed on this podcast are of no relation to those of any academic, hospital, health practice, or other institution.